Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. That's right, you've been waiting all week. It is time to read the next five, count it, five chapters in the next book in Learned the Chronicles of Narnia series. of the last week. Yes, last we month. Did. Yes. Yeah, last month we were like down to the wire. In the, the, the last part of the book, which was the part of the book we least wanted to be down to the wire in, because it was like the most packed full of things we wanted to talk about. So we are not going to make that mistake again. Haha, <laughs> psych, that's this week. No, kidding. Uh, <laughs> we read five chapters in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and we're going to be discussing them today. As always, keep in mind, this is not an audiobook. So if you have yet to uh, read these chapters, then that, that's, on, that's on you. Uh, not only has this book been out for I, almost a century, not quite a century, but I think almost going on a century now. Uh, so you should have had time. You've had about a hundred years. So I, I don't know if that's enough time for everybody, but for most people, you know, uh, but also, be. yeah, I would hope so. But, yeah, you know, people have busy schedules. I mean, you have other things to do for a hundred years besides just reading a book. So, you know, <clears throat> so Those um, people are not alive. <laughs> 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 so uh so but also uh you know we we want to give you the opportunity to read this for yourself so if you haven't read the next five chapters which I'll, I'll read the chapter headings out to you real quick before we get into our next segment um which is important i'll pass it over to jake in just a second but the chapters we are going to be discussing today are uh chapters five through ten so back on this side of the door into the forest a day with the beavers what happened after dinner in the witch's house and the spell begins to break. So that's one chapter. Next chapter is no. <laughs> um, so all of those chapters we're going to be discussing and yeah, chatting a little bit about. So tonight, today might be a bit of a shorter episode, briefer episode, um, just because we're learning from last, you know, last month. We don't want to give everything away. We don't want to discuss it all. So, hey, it might just be a 15 minute, 20, 20 minute chapter and, and or chapter episode. See, now I was getting episodes and chapters mixed up. Now I've completely mm -hmm. gotten them mixed up. Um, so it just might be a little shorter episode and that's okay. We're, we're okay with that. We hope you're okay with that. Uh, but in the... Um, in the chance, uh, the most likely chance is that it will be a longer <clears throat> episode because we have problems uh, not talking. We do. And so, <clears throat> yeah, so that is the most likely outcome here. But in the off chance that it's a shorter episode, we wanted to prepare you right off the bat. Okay, with all that being said, we can't jump into our chapters just quite yet because we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And it's Wednesday, which means, of course, Jacob does that. So, dude, do your thing. Take it away. Let's hear that verse. And this week, our verse is Isaiah 2, 4. Yes, you heard that right. Just one verse. Uh, this, uh, and it says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. And... I wanted to give a little bit of context by going back to verse 2 of this chapter, of chapter 2. Uh, and so, keep in mind that we, that we understand that this is talking about this millennial kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom going forward. This, what it's talking about is our future, is what's coming, um, coming to pass in, in our day and age and, and forward. So... 
starting in verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then starts verse 4, which we were just reading. So I, this imagery is very, very cool. Uh, very, very, um, in a sense, inspiring that this is what's going to happen. And, and we, can't, we can't see this right now in our current day and age because we, we think of this we think of our current nation as crumbling, and, and it very much is, as Bruce and I have discussed on our Monday episode several times. But, um, yeah, if you want to this... be depressed about current events, uh, that's the episode for you. <laughs> but, Occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. But this is talking about an optimistic view of, of current events, in a sense, of, of what is coming forward, what is coming to pass. And, we see here that people shall say, come and let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk his path. Finally, finally, if it would be amazing to have a community, a society, a culture that says, let us follow God's ways. Let us follow, follow God's word. And from that, it, it talks about continuing on. It, it talks about in the word of the Lord shall then the Lord, sorry, in the word of the Lord from J Jerusalem. Uh, sorry, for for out of Zion shall go forth the law in the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So, the law will go out, will spread, will move to all nations. Same with, uh, with the word. Same with uh, evangelism in a sense. Um, so I think this is very yeah. interesting context to give it's the, um, um, discipling of all nations, which is right. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's a really good point to bring up. Yeah. It's, it's, I, that part, I'm really glad you backed up because that part gets my mind going. Cause what does it say? Is it that, that spreads out? It's the law, mm -hmm. right? It's so much more than just, just not. Again, when we say this, we're not limiting the salvation message. It's a glorious message. It's a message right. of hope. It's the reason we live. It's the reason we, we live and have our being is the salvation we received in Christ Jesus, our mm -hmm. Lord. But what does that do? What is the effect of that in us? It changes. It transforms us. Why did Christ have to die? Because we couldn't keep the law. But that was the goal after all. <laughs> and we forget that today. So back in that, in that verse that Jacob, he backed up to give us some context. A huge part of that is the law. The law will go forth to the nations, which is meant to be a glorious message of hope. Today we read that and we're like, oh, that sounds, that sounds horrible. That's, that's stifling. Mm -hmm. And that's our modernity peeking through, right? Um, but that was a glorious message of hope. Your God reigns. What does a king do? What does someone who reigns do? He provides protection. He provides structure. And he also provides law. He provides a order. way. Yeah, yeah, order. Exactly. Exactly. So 
With all that being said, today we're going to be discussing something kind of along those same lines. Um, there's chaos, there's order um, of the wrong sort as well, but then there is little peekings of hope. There is an undoing of a certain thing, and there is a renewing that uh, brings with it whispers of hope for the future that are strange and exciting and provide all sorts of interesting insights into uh, the mind of, an, of a believer and an unbeliever who are given the same message. So anyways, we, we've got a lot to chat about today. Um, and so let's get right into that. Thank you, first of all, Jake, for that breakdown. Mm -hmm. That was tremendous. Yeah. Um, chapter five is is quite... The chapter and you know we're, we're not going to obviously go into all the details i dropped my my bookmark somewhere in oh it's on the floor <laughs> i was like where is it there it is uh, <laughs> but anyways one of the things and i'll i'll open it up to you if you want to really discuss anything in chapter five jake but one of the things that really stood out to me um joe rigney has a great um book called living like a narnian i think that's what it's called if I remember correctly, um, that I've been listening to at the recommendation of Pastor Hansen. Actually, last time he was on after after the show, he gave us a few resources to kind of study and, and look into and all that. And one of them was Living Like an Arnian by Joe Rigney, which is on Canon Plus. So I highly recommend you check that out. Um, it's it's an incredible book. One of the things that he addresses is magic throughout the series of Narnia, right? Mm. And Magic, you know, we discussed in, in The Magician's Nephew, magic was largely not a good thing until you get to the creation of Narnia through what some might call magic from Aslan, right? Um, and Lewis doesn't really articulate very strongly a, a hard and fast stance on magic. Is it good? Is it evil? And I think that's for a reason. That's intentional because the Bible doesn't do that either. Magic is not generally good or evil. It's depend. Uh, it depends on the source and what it's used for. So there mm -hmm. is good magic, very much good magic in our world today that comes from God and that's used for good. The angels, the, the miracles that we read about, all of that is good magic, right? But then of course there's tons of bad magic. Anyways, all of that Joe Rigney goes into more detail on that in his book, uh, Living Like an Arnian. Highly recommend it. Um, but why do I bring that up? In chapter five, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, I can see Lewis's mind turning, you know, as he's writing this. How do I get these four characters who have this dynamic storyline going on in the real world into Narnia without it seeming cliche, right? Mm. Introducing them as people in our world and then getting them to go into this fantasy world in a way that's not predictable. And honestly, I think he just mastered that. Reading through it, um, one of the things that happens is they're kind of like pushed, shoved into this wardrobe of their own mm -hmm. volition, but like trying to escape something else. And it's described as though a magic were chasing them uh -huh. around this massive house and then push them into the wardrobe and that's it's just true. it's this really interesting like oh man that's a really cool way of, of stating it so that that i think is like one of our first examples especially since this was supposed to be like the first book you read um i think it's like one of our first narnian examples of good magic um 
after after and it's in, in the very next chap the the chapter right before it is our first example i think of bad magic the enchanted food that edmund ate right and so then you get a, a, an example of good magic that pushed them into narnia in a providential way because they were needed in this land so anyways mm-hmm. More could be said on that, but I thought that was interesting. Um, before we go to chapter six, because there's not too, too much more I want to touch on in chapter five. Is there anything, Jake, you wanted to touch on in, in chapter five before we moved on? I think the, and this is something we see throughout all of the chapters going forward um, from in all the chapters that we wet, read this week, uh, starting in chapter five and going to chapter 10. Um, just the the words, right? The words that are used in, in with the idea that words have meaning and words words will portray a meaning meaning does this word beastly that is used to describe oh, yeah. Edmund so many times mm-hmm. should we think of this as him actually being a beast I I, I imagine oh, that's interesting I imagine a sort of imagery um, of like <laughs> in, f- thinking of uh, nefarious the movie that in a sense there's a demon there you know mm. there's a there's that that demonic sort of presence in edmund in a sense right because i know the, the beginnings you know, of it the sprinkling right of the seeds, that's true will. that's true yeah. yes and thinking of this i see a beast you know with horns and everything you know when whenever Faded in the when, background but still there yeah right right huh. um and just thinking of it that way that this the way he's acting, the not caring about his yeah. sister, not caring, and that, and that, um, Edmund playing along with his sister, at least the way he wants them to think, the way he wants Peter to think that he's just playing with his sister when he when he confuses them, when he mm-hmm. says to them, "Oh, we were just playing a game," you know, when right. they got back, um, and that this was te- uh, Peter said to him, "That's a terrible thing to do." You know it's not real, or at least, right. you know, like Peter was saying, you you know it's not real, but you're playing this game to continue in, either continue her in her delusions, but but then, um, but then you're, you're harming her even further, right, by doing yeah. this. Can't you see yeah. that this is a bad thing to do? And, and then, then when you find out later on that Edmund was lying, right, and that Lucy was right was true in what she was saying and just peter's reaction to that uh so that yeah. and then also specifically in chapter five right the the talk with diggory right um or at least oh, yeah Dig- yeah um the professor right we know that this is diggory yeah from from reading magician's nephew we know that that's diggory but um but the the professor is very interesting, and I, just the logic he uses is very cool. Um, that he was saying, uh, the the Peter and Susan were like, but no time passed. It, she she came out of the she came out of the room soon after we left, saying that she had spent hours in this other world. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, the professor's like. Well, that's the biggest case for it being true, for it being real. <laughs> right. If there were another world, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't work on the same standards that ours does. It wouldn't work right. on the same timeline ours does. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah, 
And the imagination of a little, little girl wouldn't come up with that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was really good. A lot of cool stuff. So, um, chapter six, really quickly, we'll just kind of touch on that. Um, there, there's so much in all of these chapters we could chat about. But anyways, we'll we'll just kind of leave. See if we can move a little faster, maybe. Um, the uh, One of the interesting things is like you were saying earlier, the the response of the rest of the siblings to like, oh, discovering, hey, she was right all along. Um, is this apologetic? Hey, one of the things, another thing Joe Rigney brought up actually in, in his book <laughs> that was interesting was that the apology of Edmund is, is, is just kind of, eh, it's just sort of half-hearted, right? It's not a real apology. He just kind of says, yeah, all right, I'm sorry, you know, and then just kind of moves on. Um, as opposed to actually asking for forgiveness and, and trying to make things right between them, which is what Peter does. Um, but anyways, that, that was interesting. Um, there's so much story in this chapter. I just love the way that things mm -hmm. are described in chapter six. It's just the imagery, the way that it's painted, all of that is, is very cool. Um, yeah. If you had just one quick thing you wanted to bring up to, before we move to seven. To your point about magic, uh, we find in chapter six, closer to the end, um, Edmund is asking Peter a question. Edmund says, if it comes to that, which is the right side? How do we know that the fawns are in the right? And the que queen, yes, I know, we've been told she's a witch, is in the wrong. In a sense, the assumption is that witches are wrong. Right? Because he's trying to dispel the notion that the witch is... It, that the that the queen is a witch in a sense by him saying that uh, i guess i know we've been told she's a witch you know but how do we mm -hmm. know that you know in a Did sense God really so say. the right right and so the interesting thing here is, to your point about magic is that lewis is kind of saying witches are bad right being yeah. a witch is a bad thing and the bible mm -hmm. speaks to that too which is being a bad thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Magic, however, another like what you were saying, magic is another subject. You know, it's yes. a different, different thing, different animal. Yep. Yep. So you can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And okay, so chapter seven. Here we go. We're going right through these. We only have about ten minutes left. So <laughs> <laughs> man, and I thought this would be a shorter episode. That does not happen with us. Um, next chapter, chapter seven is a day with the beavers. And that, that was a really cool, like it, we had talked about that so much. Literally the last two times we talked to Pastor Hansen, this mm -hmm. scene was painted. So I, I feel like when I started to read this chapter, I already had that anticipation of knowing, Ooh, like this is the one to watch out for. Um, and it yeah. did not disappoint. Like the wording of this was solid. Um, so well, I, I don't want to spoil that, but I do want to quote that that Pastor Hanser ha had the yeah. um, came directly from this chapter. What, what yep. was it? Chapter seven um, mm -hmm. saying that of course, certainly he's, not, he's safe. not safe. Yeah, but he's good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. it's 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 going back to the sense of respect and fear that we have for God. But God is good. We know God yes. is good. God is just. But we should fear him because of yeah. the, because of his power. Yep. Yep. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, just this chapter 
really hypes up um, the it in, the anticipation of Aslan coming is so evident in this chapter. It's it's such a it's such a poetic way um, to introduce the that character, um, and it was it, it's it's really really cool. And I think that you know your juxtaposition like the juxtaposition of of the the darkness the cold the oh we need coats it's freezing cold and oh man everything's destroyed and how do we find this and oh there's beavers and we have to go in a hole and you know where it's it's damp and it's quiet and it's all of this like okay yeah there's a warm fire but still we're we're trying to hide now kind of from the outside world and everything's quiet and there's fear there's a lot and then all of a sudden you hear aslan is on the move and that just mm-hmm. like you get like goosebumps and you're like, Oh man. So in the middle of all that darkness, in the middle of all that cold, in the middle of all that um, is happening on the outside. That is, that is frightening. And it's like, Oh man, we're going to, we're going to lose. Like, why did we come here? We need to, we need to turn back. And you know, even the, 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 the kids were all like, Hey, why do, why do we even come here? This, we, we should just go back. Like, why did we come here in the first place? I wish this never happened. And then they hear about Aslan and, and that really doesn't come back up. Like that messaging of, oh man, we should just yeah. go back. And I, it's not meant to be an allegory. I know, but I can't help <laughs> but read into this, if you will, in our modern day, if a, apart from Christ, it's so easy and tempting to just, just pull back, shrivel back into yourself, into, mm-hmm. um, you know, into fake worlds fake ways of taking dominion for instance like michael foster talks about all the time like men like boys who should be men are playing playing video games because they don't want to take dominion in the real world so they want to take dominion in a virtual world because it's easier and they don't have to get off their couches right and so that's a huge huge issue today and that's an example of people shrinking back not getting out there not getting into the world not making a difference not Mm -hmm teaching the disciple, not discipling the nations, teaching the nations how to obey Christ, right? Like, so, but then when you hear about the gospel properly, when you hear about the hope, when you hear those things and you understand an inclin, just a, an inclination, small inclination of, of the hope of the gospel, it, it charges you to do more. It wakes you up. It, it, brings light to something that was dead in Mm -hmm. so many ways. And part of that is, well, we can't go back now. There's work to be done. We can't shrivel up now. We have to do things. We have to get to work. We have to go out there. We have to do all that we do is unto the Lord. And so it's, it's just a really interesting reaction. Well, uh, anything you wanted to mention about chapter seven, a day with the beavers before we move on to chapter eight. No, there is something I want to say about chapter eight, though. Ooh, all right. Maybe you want to kick that off then? Okay. Uh, starting out, I think, because um, chapter eight is what happened after dinner, right? Mm-hmm. This was, they were eating, and someone noticed that Edmund was gone. Okay. And um, they're like, oh, we should go out. We should have, find him. We should do a search party. You know, we, we will be able, we should find him. And, and Mr. Beaver's like, find him we know exactly where he's going Mm. he's going to the witch's house he's going yeah and they're like what (laughs) you can immediately tell from him that he was Mm. bad that he he um 
And he had been here before and he uh he had talked to the witch that he was tainted. Right. Mm. And wow. that's in a sense yeah. the same the same beastly nature that I was talking about before, and you can sense that in people. You can see that in people. Um in a sense, um in our modern day and age, we uh, at least at least my family and I think most a lot of other questions would would call it being worldly. Mm. We we see that we sorry we can see that <laughs> as being worldly. We see that that nature in people. We can see when someone's a worldly person. Mm. Um, that's a really so. good point. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's spot on. Yep. Um. Yeah. All right. So that's that's chapter eight. Um. It's it's interesting to hear. I don't know if it's this chapter or the chapter right after it, but the I'll I'll call it this. I'll say like it's almost the the crawling of Edmund back to the White Witch. Just like mm. you know, it, it it paints an image of the sinner crawling back to his sin, like a mm. dog returns to his own vomit, and every the bruises, the pain, the agony. But it almost doesn't matter. Like the carnage it causes and our wicked hearts just we want it anyways. It, we, yeah. we, we even know it's not going to end well for us. He'd heard some things about the witch. Didn't hear all, but he heard enough to know that it wouldn't end well and he didn't care. And that's how we are with our own sin. We just, whatevs. I just, I really want to do it. And we do. And and then what what it takes to come back from that simple action we talked about last week is is so much. Okay. Um chapter 9 in the witch's house. We'll kind of just go through this briefly cuz we only have 4 minutes left, but um this was, you know, an interesting episode because it describes then that coldness again. Chapter. Right. Chapter 9. You said that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, episode chapter. Thank you. I'll be doing that for the rest of this month. I can't stop now. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Jake. Um, but yeah, th th this episode then pff, chapter, my goodness, <laughs> I did it again. I didn't even, that was not intentional. <laughs> this chapter juxtaposes now again from the last chapter, the darkness. Again, we talked about the darkness of Charn. I get the same feeling here in the witch's house. That mm. you get when you read about the darkness of Charn, right? Isn't it funny? We talk about, um, at least us in Pennsylvania, we talk about all these New Yorkers coming from New York, coming into Pennsylvania. And they're like, oh, New York is so bad. You know, we got to come to Pennsylvania. It's better here. And we're always like, why? Why was it bad in New York? It's you <laughs> people that are the right. problem. You're just bringing yeah, the same yeah. ideas and bringing it to here. Exactly. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's what, what you were saying. It's like you were in Charn, you destroyed it. Right. Now you're coming here and you're like, oh, this is going to be better, you know, or, or maybe she wants to destroy this too. Maybe she's actually intentionally doing that. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good comparison. Um, so three minutes left, two minutes left. <laughs> we'll wrap up with the last chapter, chapter 10 spell begins to break there's so so much we want to talk about here yeah. we got to restrain ourselves we have two minutes jake this one's a good i know one. you want to talk so you take it away you get two minutes go <laughs> so this is what patrick hansen was talking about when he talked about um 
Santa following God. Even even Santa yeah. believes in God. Even Santa follows God. And the same thing here is that that in this the the spell begins to break throughout throughout all the chapters. Right, you see so many times it's it's mentioned and said that it's always winter with no Christmas. Right. And the spell is beginning to break now in this chapter because Santa comes to Peter, to Susan, and to Lucy. And he hands them all gifts. Peter is given a sword and a shield. Uh, Susan is given a bow. Lucy is given a flask and a knife. Okay? All are given weapons, right? But he tells Susan and Lucy specifically... Hmm. That your weapons are for dire need and self-defense only. Yep. You were to not fight in the war to come. And and he says, women in war, uh, women make war ugly. Hmm. That women should not fight in war. Yeah. And it's uh, that's very, very cool because we know from a biblical standpoint, this is very yeah. true. That is very true. And yep. so... um. I just thought that was a very interesting point that not yeah. only Santa, not only does Santa follow <laughs> Aslan and God, but yeah. he also mirrors biblical principles. He yep. he tells yep. them a biblical, uh, absolutely yeah, biblical truth. Yeah, so. yeah, that's great, Jake. Thanks, and you did it in under two minutes. That was incredible. Couldn't <laughs> have done it better myself. And with that. Uh, yeah, there's obviously so, so much more in these chapters we could discuss, but we did just discuss five entire chapters in a half hour episode. So I, I consider that an absolute success. Um, <laughs> thank you all so, so much for joining us, listening or watching us today. Don't forget our show website is trdshow.net. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. We're very much looking forward to uh, you joining us on Friday. We've got quite the discussion. If you watched our Monday episode, we you'll know that we have a leftover topic to discuss mm -hmm. and uh, some fancy Latin words and uh, about warfare and principles, biblical principles specifically that govern warfare properly. So more to that conversation to come on Friday. Until then, thank you all so, so much for watching and we will see you then. And remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.